not getting my Bud Light. <laughs> okay, actually, that's not the first time a guy's told me that. Actually, the day I got married, the guy who did our ceremony, he called me beautiful too. So, yeah, I'm kind of used to it. I, I, I guess I am, though. I mean, I got a beautiful wife. Mark thinks I'm beautiful. I mean, somebody's right, right? Or I'm not, and everyone takes pity on Tom. So, um, welcome. First of all, today we're, just so you guys know, we're going to be jumping through a couple of different scriptures. So those sword drills that some of you guys grew up doing and, you know, figuring out, oh, where that book is. Um, we're going to start in Joshua. We're going to then go to Corinthians. And then we're going to end up in Matthew. So if you want to go ahead and start turning and opening your Bible to Joshua chapter 4, that will be awesome. And uh, as we open up today, it's kind of interesting. We have 29 days. 29 days until Christmas Eve. Some of you guys are like, oh no, it's coming. Black Friday, shopping, Christmas music, we've already got the snow, seen some snowmen. I mean, it's coming. And during this time of the season, we always go back and we always take the time to remember Christ. And we talk about the birth and we talk about the Virgin Mary and we talk about the whole process. And we'll talk about the Magi and the gifts they bring. And, and, and we celebrate the season. Not to mention that this Thursday is another famous holiday that we love in America. Mainly because there's three football games in Turkey. Always a good combination. Eat a little bit. Sleep a little bit, watch a little bit of football, eat a little bit more, watch a little more football, sleep a little bit more. You know how it works. Although, everybody, 8 o'clock, Friday, Thursday, 6 o'clock Thursday, Black Friday, Target, Walmart, it all starts opening. So, ladies, whoever's going shopping, congratulations. I'll be at home watching football. So, but we start getting into the season and it's, it's about thankfulness this week. It's about being thankful for what for what has happened in our lives, being thankful for our family, being thankful for our friends. But as we look at the scriptures today, it's more than that. As a Christian, we should be looking at these holidays as more than just being thankful. We should look at them as moments in our life to remember God's faithfulness. I could have titled my sermon today a million different titles, but I think that one fits it the best. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4. If you're already there, great. Okay, verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Okay, so first of all, give a little bit of a date reference. Just like Thursday... Fourth Thursday of every November from here on out is supposed to be Thanksgiving. We have another reference here. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And the interesting thing about these 12 stones is, some of you guys might do this, but these stones, we actually know from reading for a little bit beforehand, they're supposed to be hoisted up onto somebody's shoulder. So we're not talking like little rocks that fit in your pocket or in the palm of your hand. We're talking stones that weigh 60, 70 pounds. That one man probably barely had enough capability to carry. And there's been these stones and they've been taking them and they've been hauling them around. And then he says in verse 21, he says, He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? 
tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what was what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And now here's the important part. Here's the why. Verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth, so all the nations of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So here's this moment. We see all these kinds of different moments in the Old Testament that have to do with remembering things. Remembering God's faithful. We can think about Noah and the rainbow, the flood. I promise never to do this. My God's faithful promise that he will never flood the earth like he did those days, so he gave us a rainbow. They set up stones. Jacob, when he wrestled with God, set a stone apart as a sacred spot. We did these things in the Old Testament to remember God's faithfulness. They were a physical reminder of what God did in the Old Testament. You could see it from a distance. You can see the top of our cross on our building from a distance. You could come, you could touch it. You can walk the battlefields of Gettysburg. You can touch what our country's been through. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness in that moment. But those physical reminders, those stones in this situation, weren't just for the people of the nation of Israel that were there in that moment. It wasn't, okay guys, this is a great celebration. We're never going to come back to this again. It says that they were there for the nations. For your kids to hear about these stories. For when your kids to ask the question of, Dad, why are those stones there? Dad would say, well, son, 600 years ago, God moved, the water moved, and we walked across the dry land. Boy looks back at his dad, awesome, sweet. Can I go play football now? You know. But it's all about us now remembering God's faithfulness, not just for us. Not just for us as individuals, but for the generations after us. For the first time in church history, we have six generations living in the church. Six. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty rare. First time. For the generations we set these stones up. The other point was it, it wasn't just for the nation of Israel and those generations, is that they were physical reminders. Because notice how it's right on the other side of the Jordan River, right in front of Jericho. There were physical reminders for the other nations. They were reminders of our God is powerful. Our God is faithful. Our God is going to do what it takes to protect us. That's what the reminders were. Think about that. They had just finished 40 years of walking around in the wilderness, in the desert of the Middle East. And God had been faithful to them every step of the way. 
That's this moment. That's the moment that we're encountering in Scripture. That's the power of remembering his faithfulness. Is it doesn't just affect those that encounter him at that moment. The generations afterwards. The nations afterwards. Flip over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at another moment that God has set up for us to remember his faithfulness. Because again, remembering God's faithfulness isn't just something that happens in the Old Testament, it's something that happens in the New Testament. That we have things that are set up for us to help us remember what God has done. We're going to take a look at one of those. And there are tons of stories like this throughout Scripture. Tons. If you've ever want to find something interesting in Scripture, do a study on God's faithfulness. You will find account after account after account after account of God being faithful to his people. And you'll even find some accounts of God being faithful to people that aren't his people. So, verse 23, chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and, he, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Of course, this is Christ talking. Paul is reiterating this. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what is a Passover? Passover was a moment in the Old Testament where the angel of death passed over the Israelite nation, sparing their firstborn. They ate a lamb. They put blood on the doorposts. And then also at that same moment, Pharaoh's firstborn son was killed. And that was finally the straw that broke Pharaoh's back and he let God's people go. I'm going to talk about a story of faithfulness. There's a couple thousand years in that example. And then Christ comes and he says, now remember me in this now. Remember me. So what do we remember about Christ? Often we remember his death and his resurrection. But do you remember Christ's faithfulness to his disciples? Especially the guy like Peter and Thomas. Thomas was the guy who doubted. Peter was the guy who denied. Faithfulness even in Judas. To have him sit here at this meal. Even though he knows Judas is about to betray him. That's the faithfulness that our God offers. That's the faithfulness that we remember in this moment. Remember the faithfulness of Christ. 
in the healing of people, in the ministry of people. See, communion has become one of the symbols of the Christian church to remember God's faithfulness. We don't just do it just to be like, hey, this is cool. We do it to remember God's faithfulness. One of my favorite stories about Christ is actually when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before he's betrayed. The night before he's hung up on the cross to die. And he's praying to his father. To praying to our God and he says, Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to die. I don't want to take on this weight of the world. He knew everything that entailed. He knew the pain. He knew the suffering. He knew everything that was going to happen. But then he did this. After that prayer, he simply says this. Lord, that's what I want. But you're higher than me. You're bigger than me. I will still be faithful in the way that you've called me to do. I'll still be faithful to your purpose. And so Christ then ultimately dies on the cross and is resurrected. But that's the epitome of Christ's faithfulness. The faithfulness that he brings to us. And the way he prays for us. The way he intercedes for us. He cares so deeply about us that his faithfulness exceeds a moment. It's continual. So communion is a representation of that. It's a representation of what Christ has done for us. It's a physical reminder just like the stones of Israel. It's a physical reminder just like every rainbow we see of God's faithfulness. It's an opportunity for us now to tell our children about who Christ is. Our generations about what he has done. That's what communion has become. But it doesn't stop there. If you actually read the account in Matthew, Christ says a little bit more and he says, do this because the forgiveness of sins is for the many. It's for the nations. We take communion as a representation of our faith in Christ because we want to impact the nations. This is a representation of God's faithfulness to the nations. Just think about that. Have you ever talked to a non-Christian about communion? You get some pretty interesting responses. First of all, I've done that before, and I had one conversation, and it sounded a lot like this. So, tell me about communion. I said, what do you want to know? It's grape juice and bread. And he goes, wait, it's not a dead guy? I'm like, no. Why would it be a dead guy? Why would, why would you? And they're like, well, I thought it had to do with Jesus, and da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, it's a representation of the symbolicness of what Christ did for us on the cross. It's a representation. It's symbolic to us. We don't believe that it turns the bread turns into the body I don't believe that the blood or the grape juice turns into actual blood I don't believe that but I do believe that it's a representation of God's faithfulness 
his undying commitment to us. Guy kind of looked at me and he's like, okay. Still think it's weird. Okay. Can't help you with that one, but but it's a symbol of God's faithfulness in us. It's a symbol of what he's done in our lives. The power of the death. The power of the resurrection. Flip over into Matthew chapter 28. Because like everything, we've gone from the Old Testament, Old Testament over here where we've started talking about the stones that Israelite used on many occasions. They used other things to, memory, to remember God's faithfulness. And then we get into the New Testament where the church began to use communion to talk about God's faithfulness. The physical reminder of that. And now we're going to get into Matthew chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they sought him, they worshipped, but some doubted. We know that to be Thomas. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the awesome part. So God gave us the stones in the Old Testament. He's given us communion in the New Testament. And then he leaves by giving us us. We are now that physical reminder of God's faithfulness. We, as the body of Christ. We, as Dillon Community Church. We, as the families that make up this church. We, as individuals, carry the image of God's faithfulness. We are the physical reminders of God's faithfulness. We are. We can touch each other. We can see each other. We can hear each other. We can pick each other's noses. (laughs) But that's what we're here for. The stones in the Old Testament, we can't go to Israel and see them. They don't exist. At least I don't think they do. It would be awesome if we could find them. We take communion here in the church, but we don't take communion in the office. We may take communion in our homes, but that's where we are. That's the next step in this process. We've moved from the Old Testament to the New Testament to us. Is that we are that physical manifestation of God's faithfulness. So what does that mean for us? It means, first of all, that we're physical. We're people. We can touch us. Okay? That's important to know because that means we can impact each other. If I walk up, touch 
James right here. He can feel me. But it also means our stories impact each other. That's the other part, is that God has given each and every single one of us a unique story in this room. No story in this room is the same. Matter of fact, I'm sure if you walk out of this room and you ask 15 people what they heard from my message today, you will get 15 responses. We all experience things differently. We all have a different story. We all have a different perspective. But that's all a part of us. Now, in God's faithfulness impacting other people. That's a part of that. In those stories, there's brokenness. There's things that have happened in our lives that have hurt us. Some of us have scars. They might be emotional, they might be physical. They might be spiritual. Some of us have a story that's a little different, and instead of having scars, what we've discovered is how at times we've been apathetic. Or we haven't cared as much as we should. Even some of us have the stories that are all about protection. How God has been faithful in our lives, not because he's pulled us out of the muck of life, out of the dirtiness, out of the brokenness, but he's instead chosen to protect us. That he's saved us from pain. Those stories are dramatically different. But each story is a living testimony of God's faithfulness. No one story is less valid than another. God is no more faithful to me than he is to you. He loves me just like he loves you. I am broken just like we are broken. And he still takes care of all of us. Still is faithful to all of us. So then the last bit is, so that's great. We're the living testimony. Great, we've got a story to tell. Well, then the third thing is, what do you do with it? You go and tell the story. The story begins not necessarily with Joe Schmo that's standing on the corner. We don't have to go out and start sharing our, our story with the people that we encounter on a one-on-one basis, six times a year. I don't argue that that's where our story starts. I'd argue that our story starts with our generations. Our story starts with us talking about God's faithfulness in our own life, in our own families, in our own friendship circles, those close relationships that God has given us. We all have them. They all look different. Some of us are close to our family. Some of us aren't. Some of us are single. Some of us aren't. But we still have those people that we trust. And that's where it starts. We start at the inner circle. We start at who God has called us to be faithful with first. You start sharing the stories there. You get really good at talking about what Christ has done and the faithfulness you have. And he has been to you, how he's been faithful to you. You start there. You start having dinner conversations not centered around what you learned in school today, but a dinner conversation of how is God faithful in your life today? And you share a story. Because God's been way more faithful than we can ever imagine. You start to 
peel back the curtains of our life and we start to see God being faithful in ways we never even imagined. We see God being faithful in the death of a loved one. I saw my grandma passed away. She was 98 years old in August. And, and I did not know her faith until that day. Until the day that I was at her memorial service. I knew she grew up going to church. I knew that she went to church often. I'd talk about it. I'd talk to her about it. I never knew of her faith. And the pastor was standing up and giving a sermon. And he was talking about her faithfulness through this whole entire process. And I sat back and I was like, that's a story I wish I heard from her. Those are the stories that we have. Life is not easy. And some of the stories I heard about my grandma was the fact that life was not easy. I get it. In my time that I've ministered to students, I've met, met students that have come from adoptions. I've met students that have come from abused backgrounds. I've met, I've met students that have felt that, like they're a nuisance and unwanted to their very own biological parents. I've seen students that have walked through Christian homes and they've met people and go, I don't have a story like that so God can't use me. The truth is God is faithful to you just as like he's been faithful to everybody else. We've got that story and it starts with a small group of friends. And out of that, then we move into maybe the friends that you actually hang out with. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your uncle. Maybe it's your aunt. Maybe it's your cousin. Maybe your niece, your nephew. You start moving the stories of God's faithfulness out of your immediate friendship circle, out of your immediate impact circle, further out. And you get really good at sharing your stories of God's faithfulness there. And begin to understand what God's done in your own life. And as, as you start to do this, you start to grow in your faith. And you start to go, wow, God is a lot more faithful than I thought. You start to begin to become very excited when you tell these stories. Can't wait to the, tell, your, tell someone the story of how God was faithful today. You can't wait to put another stone on the pile. You can't wait to take communion and remember what God has done for us. You can't wait. And then you move further and further and further and further. And all of a sudden your life has become that living testimony that no matter who you encounter, they know that God is faithful. That's what Thanksgiving's about. That's what us talking about Advent and Christmas and this whole thing about. It's about us sharing God's faithfulness. Now life is hard. And in the midst of hardships, we don't know what's going to happen. I love the story in the New Testament in Matthew where the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is sleeping. And the storm rushes around them and the disciples go, we're going to die. So like, well, what do we do? Dude, wake up Jesus. I don't want to wake up Jesus. He's going to yell at me. But wake up Jesus. So Jesus, they wake Jesus up and he goes, guys, we're in the midst of hardship. This is a storm. You guys really don't have any faith? And you go, no. 
And he says, okay, be still. Says his piece, goes back to bed. Storm has gone away. And they go. Uh, okay. But that's what happens in the storms of our life. Is eventually, it may take 65 years. It may take till a couple of days before we leave this earth. It may take two hours. But God is faithful enough to get us through that. And in the process, he's so faithful He's going to impact your story. He's so faithful. He's going to use you as the manifestation, the physical representation of who he is on this earth because you're going to become more faithful. We may never know every single reason that God does what he does. We may never understand how our faithfulness impacts everybody else. But I do know this. The more faithful we are, the more the story is told. The more that we begin to live our lives as a physical representation of God's faithfulness, we impact those around us. It's easy to do without saying anything. It's hard to tell the stories. It was hard work for those Israelites to pick up those massive rocks and carry them. Because it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to pick up the stone in the middle of the river and walk five feet and drop it off. They could have taken it a mile. 70-pound rock, a mile. You want to carry that on your back? I don't. Christ, it wasn't easy for his faithfulness to be shown. Matter of fact, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in so much pressure emotionally that the capillaries in his skin exploded. He began to sweat bullets of blood. That's hard. Coming from broken homes, coming from hurt lives, coming from relationships that aren't functional are hard. Living in this world today is hard. Generation after generation, life has not gotten any easier, but it's gotten harder. Those that have been around in America for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, you guys know how much the world has changed. Christianity in itself is no longer popular. But God's faithfulness is still there. He's going to see us through this storm. He's going to take care of us just like he's taken care of us for century after century after century. But we get to tell that story. We get to tell God's faithfulness. So kids, ask your parents about God's faithfulness. Parents, be honest about God's faithfulness. Don't hold back. When students catch the vision and the power of God, let me tell you, they see something they don't experience in this world. Grandparents, you have a story that is worth telling. You have a story of hope because I know God has been faithful to you. Write it down. Tell your grandkids. When we're sitting at Thanksgiving this week, don't just ask the question of how God has 
what you should be thankful for this year. Ask the question how God has been faithful. How has God been faithful in your marriages? How has God been faithful in your singleness? How has God been faithful at work? How has God been faithful at home? How has God been faithful in your friends? You'll begin to see the story that God is working. That it's greater than each and every one of us. But that we are all that physical reminder. I'm going to go ahead and have the band come up. And and as we get ready to take communion, we're going to to do another offering first, but then we're going to do communion. I'm going to encourage you guys to do something. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It's going to put you way out of your comfort zone. Okay? It's going to. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people being uncomfortable. I have no comfort zone because I, I'm, I'm me. Um, I'm not going to free. I said the same thing in first service. Okay. Now, but this is the deal. Most of us, reflection for Christ and communion is a time for us to be to ourselves. I agree with that. I agree that communion is a great time for us to look at our life. But I'm going to encourage you to take one step today. When you come up here, come up with somebody you know. A loved one, a friend, a family member. And as you're waiting in line to take communion, tell each other a quick 30-second story of how God has been faithful in your life this week. Begin there. Begin telling that story. Because you have no idea how it's going to impact the person standing next to you. So God, as, as we contemplate your faithfulness, as we, as we remember your faithfulness in the Old Testament, and remember that you are still faithful and you still worked harder than ever in the New Testament through communion and that symbol that we have through the death and the resurrection of your son Christ, Lord. And that we remember now more than ever, we are those living testimonies. That we are the living billboards of your faithfulness. Give us the courage, the boldness. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel in your story. Because it is the most beautiful masterpiece ever. Give us the strength. Give us the courage, Lord. You're powerful. Amen.